0: just kind of lean into it <laughs> anyways uh, yeah but hi can you thanks for joining the podcast today
1: <laughs> thank you for having me
0: yeah can you just introduce yourself a little bit and um, a little bit of a background before we get into the question
1: sure so uh, my name is Nico Allery A-L-A-R-Y I'm Y. I'm thirty. 32 years old uh, and I'm the co-owner of Holy Belly uh, in Paris and uh, I started the business with my girlfriend Sarah uh, seven years ago and we've been uh, running uh, both restaurants now uh, yeah for for about seven years so that's that's what I do that's who I am
0: And you're from Paris right?
1: I am yeah 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 well technically not from Paris because uh, I think you guys call that an army breath does, does that work for a guy? Or, uh, yes, uh, yeah. I don't know <laughs> when you, you know when your dad works in the army and you just like move around a lot. Don't you have a name for that army? We might, army that's a good self-home. question. Anyway, I don't know so that's army
0: the kid, but like I know the person who is in the army is an army brat,
1: so yeah, we, we were just going around a lot. So I'm not technically from Paris, but I am French, mom and dad, and uh, I actually um moved to Paris, so to speak, uh, later in my life, but yeah, yeah, I've been in Paris many years, so it's just as if
0: so you so you traveled a lot as a kid where's like the most exciting place you went if you remember it because you might have been really young at that time
1: well it wasn't anywhere exotic it was just like pretty much France which was kind of nice because I got to see a bit of the south a bit of the north um and right when my dad started getting those nice like those fancy assignments like Madrid and stuff I was old enough not to live with my parents anymore. So I, I missed out on, on the good stuff, you know, and, uh, but I was definitely there for not the good stuff, you know, we, uh, we move in, in some pretty small places. And, uh, but that was, that was kind of cool. And I think, uh, you know, like you, you'd start a year in school and then you're like, okay, well, time to go. And then you pick up the year somewhere else. And so that was a little, you know, when you're like six, seven, 12, whatever, you have to like restart, make some friends, create some circles. And, uh, yeah, back then it wasn't great. But I th- looking back, I think it made me, a. Uh, you know, quite the this the sociable uh, friend maker person that I am today. So that that was that was kind of the good thing about it.
0: That does explain a lot. You are very good at like coming up and talking and very good at that, which I don't it's a quality not many people have. I think
1: <laughs> I had to. Yeah, it was like I would literally like start my year. You know, those are your teachers, your hours um your new friends and like, okay cool 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 and then like do a couple of years there and then we're like, oh we're moving to you know they're asking us to go there now and i'm like okay, well it's time to you know pack up and go we didn't move that much i think when between like the years that matter between like six and 18 we might maybe three four times so it's not like all the time but it was it was a thing it was a theme for sure <laughs> so
0: I know that you went to Australia sometime in the mix of that. When were you, when did you head to Australia?
1: So that was, that was, uh, on my own accord, uh, later on. So I went to Finished, you know, at the, the back, what we call the, the baccalaureate, which is, I don't know what you guys call it. When you're like 18, you take this big exam. And so took that and, uh, you know, um, got got it. And then after it, I was like, well, I'm not quite sure what I want to do. So I was already with Sarah in, back in those days. And we're like, ah, what do we do, you know? And so I know it's very common for a lot of countries to take a year off and, and just to figure it out, you know? In France, we don't really do that. You're expected to do your back, uh, and then just move on to uh, university. And so that was a that was hard to organize, but we we did. And so we went doing some pairing work in, in the UK for a year. Came back from that. Went to movie school for uh, two three years. And uh, Sarah took movie production. I took movie editing because I was a movie buff. I always wanted to be in the movie industry. So. That made sense back in those days. And then again, when we, when we finished those studies, we wanted to just, you know, travel a bit before we really started working like full-time forever. So we're like, what what do we do? Where do we go? And we just felt like something far away and very different. And so we went to Vancouver uh, for three years, uh, Vancouver, Canada. uh, And that was amazing. And I think that trip really changed everything for us. And we just weren't too excited about the movie industry anymore and just discovered um, everything pretty much just a different food scene, a different um, dynamic in terms of even when we, when we go to school here, uh, I often tell the story that when you go to school here, when you're 15 um, you go to your, like you go to that office and they tell you, okay, they look at your grades and they talk to you and like, what do you want to do? And you're like, well, you know, I like this, I like movies, I like, you know, whatever. And they look at your grades and like, okay, well, you know, you could go to, you could go to that school and do that. And okay, well, that's what I'm going to do. Um, and never at any point in that process do they even ever tell you that you can even start your own business. That's never an option. They're like, well, you can go to that school. You can be like a teacher, an editor, you know, but they never tell Hey, But, you know, if none of that works for you, you could even start your own thing. You know, that's never part of the conversation. And Vancouver was kind of instrumental in that process. That's the first time I was 20-something. So I was 20-something as well, pretty much the same age. And um, and and we met people that were 20 in their 20s and they were starting things creating businesses and like I want to do a, to open a like a record shop I want to start a restaurant and they are like whoa oh, man like that's that's something that you can do you can start your own business and so I often tell that story because Vancouver was really the switch in our minds when we're like oh there's like there's there's, uh, there's another way of doing this you know we could even start so that that was that was Vancouver and then we met a lot of Australians in Vancouver going back to your question about Melbourne uh melbourne came about because there was you know australians they live far away on that island of theirs and it's it's a well-known fact that being so far away from everything they enjoy traveling and they often take that time off to go see the world and a lot of them actually end up in vancouver and so we met a lot of australian friends in vancouver so when our time came up in vancouver we had like a few months left on our visas. We're like, hey, what do we do next? And um, and our Aussie friends were like, well, if you guys enjoy Vancouver, um, you know, we think we, we reckon that you guys will really enjoy uh, Melbourne. And so we applied for a visa and moved to uh, Melbourne for another three and a half, four years. We kind of overstayed our visa there for a bit. And yeah, came back up in Hollybilly.
0: Whoa, whoa. I
1: know. It's a lot. It's a lot. It's a lot. <laughs>
0: I just, like, starting back at au-pairing, you guys both au-paired in the UK.
1: Yeah, 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 we did. We were doing everything together at that point, you know? We were, like, 18, and so wherever she was going, I was going, and the other way around. So, uh, yeah, we made that work.
0: How? So how is it for you to au-pair? Like, <laughs> I I really don't need that many men au-pairs.
1: I don't think it even exists. I think, like, <laughs> even the agency that was placing us, when we when we called them and we're like, okay, well, this is us, you know, 18, whatever. And like, it was for, for Sarah, it was like, it was a done deal. They were like, well, you know, great. Like we've got a family for you. You can start, you know, at that day, whatever. And uh, so she find a place instantly. And I was like, well, yeah, I'm, uh, so what about me? And they were like, huh, I don't know, man. <laughs> you sure don't want to do this? And I was like, oh, yeah, it's fine. And, that, and also for the record, I'm an only sh- child. And so... Um, I don't want to feed in that, you know, a cliche picture of the only child, but my mom was doing a lot for me. So like until a certain age, I never, I was never tidying up my room. I was never, you know, getting the table ready for dinner. I was never clearing the table. I was, I was protected from all the chores for a long time. And I can tell you when I finally got that au pair, uh, job and I was doing, I went from zero to 200 doing like laundry, cleaning, vacuuming. You know, doing grocery like go, yeah, grocery shopping, picking up the kids. I it was it was a, a steep learning curve for me, but uh, a welcome one. And uh, yeah, so the, there's a story there if you want me to tell it about the opairing. Yes. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so I find a family, and I'm like, fucking. i oh, sorry. Can we can we curse on this? Yeah, I don't much? care. Yeah, anyway, I was like, fucking finally. You know, I was staying with my parents. My parents were in Madrid. Sarah was already in in, in England, and so like she found a family before I did. And, and they're like, don't worry, Nico, we'll, we'll find you something. So I was staying with my parents in Madrid, not a super bad place to stay. So I was kind of happy to just wait it out. And finally, the, the call comes in and they're like, we, f- we found you a family. And I'm like, oh, well, thank God, you know, like, I can finally start au whatever that is. And so pack my things, uh, get on a plane. I'm 18, like I'm, I'm young, you know, and I, I get to uh, London and I was supposed to stay – on Hyde Park Corner. So like a nice place. You know, I looked it up on Google Map. If Google Map was even a thing back in those <laughs> days, I kind of looked it up somehow. And I was like, nice, man, nice. You scored one kid. I think it was seven or eight. Looked really good on paper. And then I, I show up to the airport and like all the other families actually picking up their au pair. And it's like, you know, there's hugs and hey, welcome. And it's going to be a great year. Welcome to our family, whatever. Me, no one. No one's picking me up. Like, I'm okay, well, this is kind of weird, but maybe they're busy people. So whatever. I kind of make my way to that house somehow. You know, we all know what the London tube looks like. It's pretty crazy. But somehow I managed to make it there. I show up. It's kind of already nighttime. And I knock on the door. And the lady's like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm like, well, yeah, I'm the au pair, whatever. And she's like, oh, no, yeah, it's not going to work out. Like, you can't stay here. And I'm like, what do you mean? Like, we have a contract. It's sort worked out. And she was like, no, yeah, sorry. If you want to stay here, it's going to cost you like 400 quid you know, English pounds a week. And I was like, I don't have that kind of money. I'm here to work, not to spend money. Anyway, long story short, I'm pretty much, she kicks me out on the spot. She's like, you can stay the night. So I'm I'm just hand up having the worst night, staying in the house. And it was, and she even had me look after that kid for one night. It was weird. Anyway, I called Sarah. I'm like, Sarah, they're kicking me out. I called the agency. I was like, she's kicking me out. What do I do? Luckily, Sarah's family was super, super nice. And props to the English people. They're the lovely people. I mean, these people were, and most of them were. And they're like, yeah, just, don't worry. Come and hang out. Um, so I, I ended up crashing at Sarah's, which, you know, if you think about it for a minute, it was a strange scenario to be in because she was au pairing. But I was staying there. It was not a good couple of weeks. So every day I was calling the agency. I was like, you need to get me out of here. It's very comfortable and lovely, but it's weird. So two weeks go by and then I got the call one day like Nico we got it we found your family you're going to be okay it's in Maidstone Kent so it's not quite London but you know it's about an hour on the train you'll be fine I was like whatever I'll take it I'll take it so I get on the train Maidstone Kent I go I get there and like the whole family oh no and on the phone sorry the the best part of the story I'm leaving out on the phone they tell me the dad of the family the the, the dad I passed away two days ago, and he was fishing with some buddies, and he had a uh, epileptic crisis and and fell in the river and drawn And so they're looking for for a father. I will always remember. She said they're looking for a father figure. I was like, I'm 18, you know, I can't do that anyway. But I still took the gig because I was I was stranded. And so it was it was a, a weird six months to say the least. And uh, and uh, they gave me hell those two kids. And they you know like you're not my dad type situation. And it was there was there was a lot of episodes where it was it was kind of tense and I was sleeping in little girl's bed for for six months and anyway and finally she kicked me out as well and because she got a new boyfriend and uh, anyway so England was interesting England was interesting oh my yeah. god yeah I know man oh it was like I have vivid memories of that time it was not good
0: oh my goodness 18
1: I know I know it I got English out of it you know, oh I look goodness. at that as like my, my 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 the the biggest thing I got out of this bad year was that I came back with a pretty decent level of English, which I didn't have by you know when when I originally moved to England. So, uh, but yeah, I heard that one fair and square. It was bad.
0: Yeah, that's an that's that's a story. Like that is a really insane. You know, like there are good stories and bad stories, but that's just like. On one on top of the other.
1: Oh <laughs> yeah, oh yeah, oh yeah, oh yeah, oh yeah, and like I, you know, I don't want to spend what I'm, I don't know how much time we go, but like I don't want to spend the whole podcast <laughs> on my time in England. But there could be a few episodes. I, I'll tell you there was. You think that was bad? It got it got worse. I'll tell you one anecdote really quickly, so you can really like frame about this thing was. I go away <laughs> on a weekend, like I, you know, I was eighteen, so like you know, I did that thing that you do when you're eighteen. I had photos of my friends and family on the wall, like I did a wall of photos, a photo wall, whatever, in my bedroom, and um. And so I go away for the weekend. I go hang out with Sarah. I come back after the weekend and, like, look at that photo wall. And I'm, I, there's something weird about, there's something weird. Something's off. But I just look at the photo wall and, like, everything's no, fine. Like, it's just whatever. I go to bed. I wake up the next day. I'm like, something is off about those photos. I can't really quite picture it. And then I get really, really close to the photos and the girl, Kirsty, I think was her name, or something like that. She has spent the whole weekend filling in everyone's eyeball with a black pen, but very, 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 very metic- meticulously. It was very well made. And so you couldn't quite tell, but everybody's look was really off. But we're talking like hundreds of pairs of eyeball. It was nuts. and so yeah, that was that that was kind of like what I was living with for for a, a good chunk of that year. I know, dude. It was yeah. <laughs> The we should like look up. maybe she's then, killed people by now i don't know you know maybe she's in jail or something because that's oh, that was god. scary
0: oh god <laughs> things like that happen and then you always are like how did you leave home again like how did you travel after that
1: there was definitely some trust issues on my on my end after that for sure for sure but when you're 18 you know those kind of things they just wash over you kind of thing it was like oh yeah
0: yeah that's girl. definitely true <laughs> where do <did> we go <laughs> from then, there? So then, <laughs> I mean, because then you you choose to go to Vancouver after a few years. Did you go with the intention of doing film in Vancouver, or were you just kind of like, "Fuck it, I'm gonna just
1: go." <laughs> it was what it was a bit of like it was a bit of both. It was a bit of like you know I've always lived in France. I've traveled a little bit, but like all I know is France. I'm 18, and the way the system works here, if like if I would be to start to be a, an editor, A professional like movie editor, and like make a career out of it. The system works in a way that once you start working, you can't really stop because, you know, you build those, that network and then they call you once, they call you twice. And if you don't go, then they don't call you anymore. So, like, I know a lot of people that went down that path and just they go from one project to the other. and you can't really, And we knew that that's kind of what was coming for us. So before even, like, you know, starting this cycle of just constant work forever... We were like, well, we we want to see the world a little bit, and um, so that's kind of good that Sarah and I were in sync on about that. You know, I I was hungry for for traveling, and she was too. So we kind of look at a map and and the visa that we could get, and we're like, Vancouver sounds pretty great. Like it looks beautiful. It's uh, very far away, and it's not Quebec, so we won't be speaking French. We'll be speaking English. Uh, and it just yeah, there was easy visas to get back in those days. It was perfect on paper. So we just kind of told our family and 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 gave back the apartment the apartment we had in those days and uh left with uh, pretty much no plans whatsoever other than just leaving differently for a bit
0: How- uh, how'd you stay for two or three years? That's crazy. Well,
1: visas were good. I don't know if they still exist, but we they used to be, that was, I'm, I'll sound like an old man, but that was over 10 years ago. And uh, it was called PVT. And uh, it was some kind of exchange between Canada and France and some kind of deals that they struck with each other. And so, um, yeah, you'd pretty much just sign up online. It was that easy. And they would give you a first year. And then, um you'd go over there and if you i think you had to like find a job which i had that was willing to just sign one piece of paper and then that would give you an extra two years it was pretty easy it was it was no struggle whatsoever it was pretty much it was free from what i can remember oh no i know it was great (laughs) those were some blissful years (laughs) that is so
0: frustrating to hear on this side
1: I'm I'm sorry, but I, if that makes you feel better, I don't think they exist anymore. And uh, also, after the three years, it was kind of like a okay, thank you, glad you're in. You know, hope you enjoy your time with us. But it's time to move on. You know, there was no really like opening for uh, anything more than just the three years, which is plenty already. But
0: yeah, yeah. And so you found work there. You like made a living, and then you just didn't want to go back to France. So you're like, let me try another place. Let's go.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, Vancouver was, uh, and it's very West Coast-ish. It's so cool. It's like, isn't it like 50K from Seattle? It's like, it's very, uh, and I don't want to, you know, offend anyone, but it it was also, it felt kind of USA a little bit, you know, even though it was Canada. You had the best part of Canada and you had also some really good aspects of the US in the sense that, for example, you could go to a job interview with no diploma whatsoever, even no references, and you, you know, if you sounded nice and if you if you could pitch yourself, they would actually give you a chance. And for me, that was so liberating because I came from a format, a, a French system, where like. Before they even let you talk, they will ask you for a list of documents and diplomas and certifications and references. And if you got all that, maybe, maybe, maybe they'll give you a chance. But like um, um Vancouver was really flipping the script. They were like they, – they were hiring people before they were hiring skills. And so that really helped us out. I mean Sarah and I got – it was it was so easy and frictionless. We got a beautiful apartment. We got good jobs. We had a car. And all of that was so – for us, 2020 to 23, we were amazed by how fast and easy and frictionless the whole thing was. And we were kind of hooked on that feeling of like just doing things and meeting people. And, you know, it was it was once I think once we had a taste of it, it was kind of hard to think about our life back in France. You know, it was it was it was good.
0: Wow. You're really selling Vancouver right now. <laughs>
1: I went back a few years ago and uh I was still in love, still a beautiful place. It felt a little small to me, but uh that was that's the only thing I would say about Vancouver is like downtown itself is tiny, tiny, tiny. So um that 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 kind of works for some people. For me, I don't think I could have made a life out, out of being in Vancouver because it was just a little small, but uh man, yeah, they, they have it so good over there. It's it's beautiful.
0: Uh, uh, yeah. So <laughs> and then and then you you'd went to, okay, so Australia, did you do the same kind of thing there where you just landed? You tried to find your place there, you found jobs. Were there any of these in the restaurant business or did that not happen until you got back to France?
1: Well, that's a good question. So um, the whole time we were in Vancouver, I was trying to make it, I already gave up the whole editing, you know, gig. Because I realized that when you're an editor, you actually spend a lot of time after the set, you know, you actually, it's post-production. And I kind of always knew that, but it really hit me when I started doing it professionally. I was like, oh, wait, like my life is pretty much, you know, a nine to five, computers, dark rooms. It's not really fun, you know? And I was, I think I was attracted to movie making, um, like not pre-production, but production, being on set with the guys, with the girls, you know, making the movie. And so post-production was really, not something that was really exciting for me anymore. So I kind of I kind of put a pin in that one. And I was I was also really interested in photography, and I was I was quite good at photography. And so I tried to make a, a career out of that, or at least get get a get a job out of that. And so Vancouver is so close to the U.S., and the dollar was a little cheaper. Uh, that a lot of productions were moving their filmmaking and and, and 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 TV shows up to Vancouver. So there was a lot of work back in those days, and also a lot of actors. So I was I was making my money. uh, doing headshots because when you're an actor and you want to get jobs you need fresh headshots you have to redo them like every month or so almost you know so i would i had a good network of friends that were actors and actresses and uh, we'd do headshots and they paid quite well so that was uh, that was my money making um side hustle and uh and the real hustle I was trying to make it as a uh onset steel photographer. I was trying to like combine my two passions. I was really into photography and I was really into movie making and I was like that's fantastic. There's a job called steel photographer and you're on set all day and you just take photos of of the shoot of the of the, of the making of the movie. And it's unionized, and it's actually there's a lot of rules, and so I I've never really quite managed to make it there. Um, but that was kind of like what I was I was trying to make happen in Vancouver, but it was it was hard. I actually, I got close. Like I was assistant to the steel photographer on a movie with The Rock. So that's that's kind of like I you know that's my highest achievement as a steel photographer. I got to like be on set. With Dwayne Johnson, The Rock, for the Tooth Fairy, uh, not his his best and and most remembered movie, but anyway, and so yeah, and oh, then we went I to. I remember the, it though. Yeah, <laughs> that, that was. Really? <laughs> I was on that. I was on that movie, and they paid me so well for doing nothing. It was the <laughs> the move. The money in the movie industry is insane, and I would drive my little like I had a. Um, uh, 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 like a, a van, like a family van. And I would drive it to set. And I would, it was amazing to see those major American movie productions. And you would just like, oh, yeah, Nico, hey, is your batch, whatever food, as much food as you need, coffee. And like, they would literally ask me, like, set up three tripods and I would get a check for like a grand. It was insane. So it's a good life. I never quite managed to make it, but uh I'm glad I got a taste of it. Yeah. And hospitality came after when we arrived in Melbourne. Um, uh, my my life's too complicated. It takes too long. But so what happened <laughs> is that uh, Sarah moved to Melbourne before I did, because uh, even though we've been together for a long time, it was the first time that we kind of wanted different things. And so after Vancouver, I was kind of itching to maybe go back home. It'd been three years, and I was like, maybe we should give it an, you know, like, I think I'm ready to go home. And she was like, well, I kind of want to check out Melbourne. And I was like, well, what about I go back home? I kind of set it up for us. I find us a place. I get it all ready. You go to Melbourne for a bit, and then you come find me. So that was kind of the plan. It was really sad, and on paper, it was great. And then the day came when she left. I was like, oh, we idiots. Like, we're not going to be together for a long time. Um, So she went to Melbourne. I went back home, lived with my parents for – a month trying to find a place. It wasn't clicking. It wasn't happening. Everything was really hard. I couldn't find a place. It was. It was Christmas. It was just. It was sad. So I was like, uh, one morning. I think it was the morning before Christmas. I actually packed up and I told my mom. I was like, now it's not the time for me to come home. I'm going to New York. And she was like, What do you mean you're going to New York? I was like, Hey, yeah, I booked some tickets when you were asleep last night. I got some. T- I'm, I'm going to New York. I always wanted to go. I seen it in movies my entire childhood. I. It's. I've always been attracted to the big city. I need to see it. Sarah's in Melbourne, and I'm gonna go to New York. So I went to New York for 90 days on a touristic visa, and and I did that the whole 90 days. Came out of the city, washed out, absolutely drained. It's a it's an amazing city, but it really took it out of me. I was exhausted by the time I was done with it, but I really enjoyed my time there. And then I went to Melbourne, I caught up with Sarah, and then that's she was already cooking. She had picked up a, a job in a the kitchen there. And uh, I was just amazed and in love with the coffee scene, the cafe scene and the culture of like people having breakfast, like savory breakfast in the morning. And I will always, and I often tell that story as well. I remember my first breakfast at auction room and Sarah was like, I'm going to, I'm going to take you to that place. So we, and you walk into auction room and it was beautiful, um, an actual um, old, you know, like refurbished um, uh, auction room. It was gorgeous. And so on the right, I remember there was a huge kitchen with like chefs in whites cooking like actual food at like nine in the morning. I was like, what's going on? And a beautiful bar, baristas making coffee like I've never seen before. Great service, and I was like, this is it. This is what I want to be doing. I love this place, you know. And so. Which is kind of, um, to, to tell the story fast, everything kind of stemmed from that experience. And so Sarah was already one foot in the kitchen. And then I had to hustle my way into getting some shift as a barista and getting trained as well. And um, and yeah, then the rest is kind of history because after that, we were just working our asses off in... Um, uh, cafes and restaurants to just kind of gather as much experience as we could we were kind of late to the game you know we were already like 24 25 and finally we had to find what we wanted to do we wanted to open a place that was kind of like that and so we just worked our so much to just you know kind of like a sponge to just take as much as we could back home and Visa ran out came back to Paris and spent nine months working on Holly Billy and nine months after we had our first customer pretty much
0: Wow. So the whole intention of Melbourne, you probably like grew a community, grew kind of uh, the, were part of that scene there with the intention of bringing that kind of culture, that kind of scene to Paris.
1: Totally, totally. And I mean, you know, we were, it was a great time to be there as well because breakfast was exciting. It was creative. It was considered as really good food and, and part of the industry as well. There was no um, there was no differences that were made between like a, a lunch or a dinner restaurant. Breakfast was really part of it all. And um, yeah. And, and again, it was so, we were so lucky that they were in that mindset of we'll give you guys a chance because we were greener than green. And Sarah had already, she had worked in cafes in, in Vancouver and she had done pastries and working as, you know, like in the kitchen, uh, in the pastry section. So she had some experience. I was, really, really green. And um, if it hadn't been for that mindset of like, hey, did, you know, Nico seems nice and like, you know, kind of very motivated and interested. And so maybe we should give this guy a chance, which they did. And eventually, you know, eight years down the road, I now hone holly belly. But if those people never had given me a chance and kind of looked at my resume, my resume was editing, you know, photography, like I had, I had never touched a coffee machine in my life, never worked hospitality like some people do from the age of 15, you know, working summers and stuff. I had, I was never one of those guys. So thankfully, even Melbourne was really like Vancouver in that sense that they were like, you know, we're going to bet on the guy and we're going to train him up and we'll see what happens. And so I'm so envious of that mentality. And we can't do that here in France. Sometimes I, I interview people it's been seven years, we had like maybe 60, 70 employees since the beginning and, and hundreds of interviews. And sometime, I wish I could return that favor of like, hey, your resume, that makes no sense for the position that we are advertising. But you seem like a great person. And I kind of want to have you on. But friends being friends, I'm myself now part of that terrible system, because I rely heavily on experience, because the system is very, it's not, it doesn't allow us to give people a chance. You know, the red tape kicks in right away. You have to draw up a contract. You have to, if you want to do things legally, I mean, you know, you have to, you know, everything, there's so much paperwork attached to the fact that you're bringing someone on. So you almost need to be sure by the time you tell that person, Hey, it's, you know, how about you can work for us? You need to be 95% sure because there's so much paperwork in, in, in Melbourne, and even in Vancouver, there's no paperwork. They, you meet them on a Friday and they tell you, hey, how come you come tomorrow? And if it goes well, you can come back the next day. I love that. And also I understand that with that comes some other, you know, there's always pros and cons, you know, and we have it pretty good here. It comes in terms of like work safety and stuff. And and and, and I'm really thankful for that. But it, it creates a system that doesn't give people a chance. And like, if no one had given me a chance back in those days, I wouldn't be where I am today. So... Yeah, thank 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 God for Melbourne and um and and people giving each other a chance.
0: Yeah, how hard was it to break into? Because the French culture really holds tight to its food and and that kind of atmosphere. How how hard was it to bring a kind of Australian vibe into Paris?
1: Very very much so. Like you know, it was it we but we were so naive that we never even thought that was going to be a problem because. We were just so excited about what we wanted to do. And we were just we love we loved it ourselves so much. That's what we love. We love you know good savory food in the morning, good coffee, a place with like really high standards for everything, but yet being very laid back and relaxed. And so but somehow when we pitched it to the bank, we were just so excited. And across the table, they just couldn't see it. You know, like, what do you mean you're going to open at eight and like serve eggs and and, and and hot food and not be open for dinner? Like for them, they were trying to like input that in the computer. And it was just, it wasn't working. Like it was all red lights, you know, like, no, 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 no. This never going to make money. You're not going to, you know, we we're asking for so little as well. We were We were investing, I think, Back in those days, almost seventy thousand euros out of pocket, out of pocket, because we worked so much, we managed to save so much, uh, and also our parents helped us out a bit with like a family loan, and uh, we paid back since. And uh, so we managed to bring so much to the table. It was such a low risk for the bank, yet. They were again, they were trapped in that, you know, mindset of like, we need we need more, we need diplomas. They were always asking Sarah, where's your cooking diploma? Your cooking school diploma? She didn't have one. You know, she everything she'd learned, she learned in the kitchen. We're like literally, not just saying that, waking up at 4 a.m. I always remember it. She's not a morning person, so that was hard. 4 a.m. I would have to push her out of bed using my two legs. I would literally like eject her from bed so she would be in time for a shift. And so, like, when we went to the bank and they were looking for a diploma, I was like, what we have is better than a diploma. You know, we train ourselves really, really well. Anyway, and so, yeah, it, it, selling hollybelly to the local French neighbors and customers was took, took some time, definitely, because what we were offering was not something that was really exciting to people in 2013. Um And it was it was it was breaking a lot of rules and a lot of um, pre-established conception about what breakfast should be. So but we kind of when you're young, I was, you know, that I'm old now, but I was 25. And when you're so determined, when you're so motivated, uh, when you put all your money in one project, you kind of have like you you have a bit of a blindfold, you know, and you just you don't listen. You don't care. You just do what you want to do. And you have that drive, you know, that I don't know. If I would be to start again today, I don't think I would have to drive again. But we were not crazy, but we were definitely in our own world of like, this is going to work. This is great. And so everything else was, we just didn't register with us, you know, I guess.
0: It seems like the theme of your life is being naive is good because it works out in the end.
1: (laughs) Well, yeah. I mean, honestly, when I look back, I was like, I I told Sarah, I was like, we were a bit insane, you know, what we were selling back in those days was really out there, you know, and I'm even surprised sometime now I'm like, things worked out pretty well for us, but on paper, then now that I look at it, I'm like, it was a tough bitch, And it was, we were really, really, you know, challenging what was, what was offered um, at that time of the day. And it wasn't a bit of a change. It was a big change. And um, for us to invest so drastically, all our life savings, into that project, good things were, we were like a little, a little, I don't know. We were like hypnotized or, uh, you know, it, it, we just, we, it was never a doubt in our mind that it would work. And I don't know why that is. We were just so sure that it was going to work out, but there was, now that I look at it, I could see a hundred reasons why it wouldn't have worked, you know, but it did. We, what we did when we came back from Melbourne, I'll tell you that story because I think people can use that. Maybe when we came back from Melbourne, we, we were leaving in Port Melbourne uh, towards the end. And so there was the beach was just there. And so we had one day off together. Uh, and so on on that morning, on that first morning of that, of that day off that we had together, we got into the habit of going to the beach and walk all the way to St. Kilda, which was like a good hour walk and all the way back. And while we would do walking on the beach, we'd talk about the way – Holy Billy was going to be. I don't think we we didn't have a name, but like when we're gonna go home, this and we had pretty much so by the time we came back, we pretty much had everything worked out because we took so many walks, you know, kind of just preparing everything in our minds. And so when we came back to France, of course, we were pitching like family and kind of like catching up with everyone and there was so much resistance, even in the family. You're like, oh, we're going to open a place. And they were like, oh, yeah. Like, I know now that it was coming from a good place. Like, you want your kid to be safe. You don't want your kid to lose all the money that they saved through hard work. You want to protect your kid. Now I have a son as well. So I'm like, I'm in a much better place to understand. He's only three, but like, I know I'm going to do everything I can to protect him from bad things happening. And so I know our parents were, in retrospect, that's what they were doing. They were, it's not that they never believed, it's that they were worried that we were going to get hurt and we're going to lose everything we worked for. And so there was so much resistance from family and friends and even the real estate agents. And everybody was saying, oh, don't do breakfast. Like, it's never going to work. Like, do do what we do. Do like, you know, the simple stuff. And um, we were getting quite bummed. Like, we had all these, you know, all these ideas and like, we were getting really bummed out. And one night I told Sarah, I was like, here's what we're going to do. We just opened a very simple like text file on the computer, like not even a fancy app, just like text. And we wrote three or four lines of like what Hollybelly was going to be. We wanted to like, we had to bottle that up while it was still pure and untouched because like we could feel that everybody's feedback was kind of chipping away at our very pure vision. The vision that we had crafted and brought back from Melbourne was getting chipped out by people that wanted to protect us. So I told Sarah, I was like, we need to put that in a bottle right now. And every time we feel like we're kind of drifting away or like, you know, people's feedback are getting a little too much, we can go back to that file, which we did. And so it was not so long ago, maybe a year back, we found the file again. I was kind of clearing out some hard drives and I was like, oh shit, it's the file. And we read the thing, the four or five lines, and it was actually pretty, it was pretty accurate. It was very close to what Holly Billy is now 7 years down the road so that was that was kind of nice to see that's incredible <laughs> it's just
0: really it is really interesting to hear and it, it just hearing someone else's passion and hard work is incredible so the last my last question is it's been 7 years now so it's been quite a bit of time how has the scene changed from when you arrived to today because i feel like it might be a completely different scene now
1: it is it really is and so it was last week cuz louis our son is on holiday so we had a bit of time and we had the day off and so we did something that we hadn't done in a very long time which is walk around paris and and uh, walking around i was like oh you remember that used to be that restaurant and that used to be that restaurant and so the turnover is crazy like um cuz it's a tough business and um i told sarah i was like there's so many new restaurants they are that actually look good you know and and i told her i was like Maybe maybe it's a good thing that we did what we did when we did it because I don't know if it would have worked so well in 2020 because I think the game the scene just got really really good. Not saying that what we are offering was of lower quality, but we would definitely would have to, you know not share but like we would have to deal with many other restaurants being opened at the same time the scene was not as diverse and quality oriented as it was in 2013 you know so it was easier i guess in 2013 to be like hey look at us we're doing everything really well we're sourcing really well we we're doing this great breakfast and so there was it was easier to get people attention back then and then and grow from that and so i think if i was to open a business now being nobody in 2020 and be like, hey, look at us, we X, it would be much harder to get people's attention because there's so much going on, you know? But the good thing is I maybe naively believe that uh, the average restaurant is better than it was seven years ago. Even places that are not pushing really hard are better than the places that were not pushing really hard seven years ago. I think the average level of the restaurant got better you know i i think so wow
0: that's so yeah. you could talk we could talk about this all day which is what's so frustrating is That we oh can't. i
1: i could <laughs> definitely <laughs> i
0: love that so topic. so once you decided early 2020 that you somehow have any time in your very busy schedule of running in a restaurant and you decided to start a podcast
1: because <laughs> <laughs> i love talking about these things so much you know, yeah. and, uh, you, it was, it was almost, I did, I have a very, um, I did it for myself almost, you know, because like I have all these thoughts about restaurant, you know, and what we do and, 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 and it just, it's always just, it just takes too much space in my mind. I'm like, I'm taking a shower. I'm thinking about this. I'm cooking dinner. I'm just doing this and that. And I'm like, I'm, I have all these ideas. And I was like, I need um something that will allow me to talk or I was thinking about writing or doing a newsletter I was like I, I just I'm someone who spends a lot of time thinking about what I'm passionate about and I need to share with others some people I guess are very content about being passionate and that's it and that's good and it's just something that's that's enough for them and I don't know why I need to share it so much you know and so the podcast was perfect because um, it was I'm uh, talking I guess is my favorite medium. Uh, of, of of sharing about that, that passion and um, I just yeah I like the format and uh, I did eight episodes so far so it's a, it's, a, it's a, I'm struggling to create more content because like you said I'm really busy but every time I manage to make time for it and we make an episode, um, it's something that really makes me happy and uh, it's not about us it's not just about Holly Belly even though I know I talk a lot about us within the podcast as well but it is conversation with people from the industry that i really like and admire and um and and it's it's so rich and it's it's it gives me a lot um and yeah it's something that i wish i could do more of but uh at, at least i'm I, I got it off the ground and it's not something that's just in my head anymore now i just got to be better about doing more of it but um it's a crazy busy time it's a crazy slash busy time and um yeah Maybe more yeah. later. Hopefully,
0: I think when I when you said that you don't open at night, I feel like this is the one time that that's been a benefit in all uh, French culture.
1: <laughs> totally, totally. I mean, you know, now people like I'm on some. What happened is that when COVID really started happening in March and like that to close restaurants and stuff, there was a lot of restaurants that were and restaurant owners that were looking for answers because the government was being pretty blurry uh, insurances and pretty much everyone was giving half answers. And so what happened is that in, 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 in response to that, a lot of, uh, rogue WhatsApp groups with restaurant owners started popping around. And so people were looking for answers. And, um, and now those, those groups are still open and they were roasting me the other day because they were like, Oh, holy belly, you guys don't have to worry about the curfew. And, you know, uh, you, you know, you, you're the big winner of, out of all this. I was like, guys, come on. No one is a winner right now. Like we, Even though we can still stay open within our regular hours, we don't have 100% seating capacity just the way we used to. You know, we took a lot of tables out and we kept, we're we functioning about 75%. And out of those 75%, most days we might fill up at 50%. So there's no real winner right now. Everybody's uh, suffering from this thing. And now uh, everybody's really looking forward to uh, seeing the back of it for sure. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I remember one time you saying, I think on your podcast where Paris has just been hit constantly. And this is just another thing that has hit it.
1: Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, you know, if, if anything, you know, when you, when you work out, I not that I do, but I know people that do <laughs> work out, you need to warm up. You need to stretch before you actually get into the actual workout. Otherwise you might injure yourself. And, uh, I feel like the only thing is that we were kind of warmed up when the, by the time COVID showed up, we had had uh, well, the the, the very the, the very dramatic and um and sad uh bataclan events that took a hit on our businesses as well. Um and then there was the uh, strikes and then covid and um and the gilets jaunes as well. And so we had had a lot of bad things happening in Paris uh that were impacting our revenue. And so by the time covid came and they were like, you guys get to close for three months. It was originally like two weeks and then became three months. We were already warmed up. You know, we had had, we had been through a lot already. And so it was kind of like, it was, we were so resilient and also, you know, kind of resigned in the sense that it's just another thing, you know? And I think now that what I'm hearing from, you know, uh, friends and owners is like, what's next? You know, they, 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 are working their way through COVID expecting something else to drop this, this overall feeling of, of it's never going to be like it was. And there's always going to be something, you know, I hope everybody's wrong uh, and that we can go back to the really blissful years between 2013 and 20. I don't want to say something stupid, but I think we had it pretty good for like three, four years, but nothing happened. And it was good old business and just working really hard and, and, and having a lot of customers and those were the good days. And I wish we can go back to that the service without mask and, and hand gels and, you know, taking everybody's phone number and, but it is what it is, you know?
0: Yeah. Everyone, it's just different. The world's just different.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and, and you know, it was like, it was a couple of weeks ago, uh, I woke up normal, we kind of Oh, learned to live with COVID now, I guess, putting on my mask and, you know, it's kind of like, it's almost normal now. It's the new normal. And my dad calls me at like 8 a.m. My dad never calls me at 8 a.m. He's like, I'm so sorry. And I'm like, what happened? What happened to mom? What was going on? I was like, no, no, mom's fine. He's like, I saw in the news, like the, 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 I, we have a car and we park it at a place and the, the place had burned down over, over, overnight and, and the car was inside. And, and when he told me that I was like, I was, you know, It just didn't even register. It was like just another like you know everybody's kind of like you know hashtag twenty twenty and I like one of those like hashtag twenty twenty moment. I was like, whatever, man. You know, know. it just keeps. It just keeps happening. It just. I don't. I'm really careful when I cross the street. I'll tell you that much. You know, (laughs) (laughs) because these years just keeps on giving.
0: That's smart. That is very smart. (laughs) 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 Not to end on that terrible note, but your podcast it's incredible i know a lot of people who listen to it and just really enjoy it cool cool yeah you have your own little following who are really really into holy valley and so that's incredible
1: yeah the podcast is doing quite well i mean you know it's by any means is it is it a major podcast but i want to kind of want to get it there you know and uh Dream big. I just kind of want to make it something that's, yeah, a lot of people listen to. And I I try to make it a tool as well, because when we came back and we were looking for those tools and those answers like, how do you open a business? How do you open a restaurant? There was no resources there. And so a a big motivation behind the podcast as well, other than just kind of emptying my brain, is also... Um, to give others maybe tools that they can use to start a business. So we'll see where it goes. I have no agenda. I have no strategy about it. It's it's something that just brings me joy and uh, I hope I, I get to do it more.
0: Yes. Well, thank you so, so, so much for joining me. I thank really so love much. talking. I know too. Uh, I have so many questions. Let's everything.
1: do it like, you know, we can do another episode in like three months. You know, it's... <laughs> yeah. I'm like, yeah, I'm like the, Like the duressel bunny, you know, like that's always like, you know, I never stop. So like whenever you want to do more of this, I'll be there ready to go. Okay.
0: That's a good plan. (laughs)